Welcome, everyone, to episode five of my new podcast, Why Didn't Anyone Tell Me This? With my guests, we are discussing health issues, questions you may have, and debunking some of the myths around our health. And it's an absolute pleasure today to be speaking to Joe Mosley about the joy of postmenopause. Alongside her day job, Joe is a writer, speaker, and podcast host. She describes herself as a joy encourager. I love that. <laughs> a beach cleaner and a midlife adventurer. After her mother died and experienced a difficult perimenopause that left her feeling very broken and crying in supermarkets, Joe discovered the joy of moving her physical, emotional and mental health. She hikes cold water dips all year round and paddle boards. So today we're going to be talking about many things, including Joe's wonderful film, I cried, uh, called Brave Enough, A Journey Home to Joy, and also her book, Stand Up Paddleboarding in Great Britain, Beautiful Places to Paddle in England, Scotland and Wales. So very welcome, Joe. Thank you so much. I'm really honoured to be here and I can't wait to have our chat. It's fabulous. It's going to be fabulous. You have had a really amazing life journey, and I know that things have really changed for you after your mum died. So please tell us more. Yeah, so thank you. So, yeah, just before mum died, a few months before mum died, um, I found myself with my two sons um, in Tesco supermarket um, and just crying and crying and crying. And it wasn't the only supermarket I'd cried in, I have to admit, but it probably was the only one with my sons in tow. And they were sort of 16 and 13. And life was just incredibly overwhelming. Um, both mum and dad were going through chemotherapy. Um, I was experiencing the symptoms of the perimenopause, but didn't even know what that meant. And I was just overwhelmed. And I just didn't, you know, couldn't stop crying, <laughs> literally burst into tears. And I just said to the boys, I can't cope. I can't do this anymore. And I'm not sure what this meant other than I couldn't do life like this anymore. I was just sort of struggling. Um, and I told a friend, because obviously mum and dad were going through chemotherapy. I didn't really want to tell them. So told a friend, she suggested exercise. She said, look, it might just help you sleep because I hadn't slept for months. And, you know, if you don't sleep, you're just broken. Well, I am. And um, she gave me this very old indoor rowing machine. I started indoor rowing in my kitchen and within a couple of weeks I was sleeping and life just seemed to get so much better. Then when mum died um, at the end of that year, um, I sort of felt broken again, understandably. And then a few months later, on the 5th of May 2014, I started a big rowing challenge for Macmillan Cancer Support and rowed a million metres, two half marathons and a marathon. So that's how it started. That, that is absolutely amazing. And... You then you then moved on to paddleboarding, and that's been a real passion of yours. So, why did you decide to go from rowing to paddleboarding? Um, so I had injured myself. <laughs> um, I this was two thousand. So jump forward to two thousand and sixteen. I went away for the weekend, and I came home on crutches, um, and I'd hurt my knee. And so all that joy that I'd rediscovered, sort of from two thousand and fourteen to. 2016, I'd, you know, I'd gone back to swimming and bodyboarding and hiking and all those things. They just, you know, were taken away from me for a while because of knee injury. And so at the beginning of September 2016, um, I set myself a little challenge, like my knee was healing. Um, and I said, right, um, 
exercise every day outside for 30 minutes. Uh, and I called it rain or shine 30. So whatever the weather, I was going to be outside for 30 minutes. And paddleboarding was a lesson I took as part of that challenge um, because I knew that it'd be like a full body workout, but um, it wouldn't impact my knee and it would strengthen everything around my knee. Um, and the minute I stood up, I just was like, wow, this is amazing. Um, never looked back since, really. That's amazing. And and did you just teach yourself? Did you have some lessons for paddleboarding? Yeah, so I, I mean, back in 2016, um, I didn't really know anyone who paddleboarded. I had no idea about, you know, what to do. So I took a lesson in on Derwent Water um, with uh, Lake District Paddleboarding, a lovely chap called Bo and another lady. We just sort of went around the lake a bit and then down a little river. And I always say that the minute I stood up on the paddleboard, I felt like a warrior, not a worrier. And that's how I feel every time. So I would always recommend people take lessons um, and just, you know, went from there, really. I was just hooked the minute I stood up. And I think one of the wonderful things about the cold water swimming or paddleboarding is the beautiful scenery that you would mm -hmm. miss if you weren't out on some water. Um, you yeah. know, you've, you've really experienced that and you've written that in your book. So, you know, how do you feel about being out in nature? Oh, it just makes me feel so much better. <laughs> you know, even just a sort of dog walk in a town and, you know, a few trees, it just makes me feel better. It puts all those worries into perspective. It doesn't take the worries away. It just, um, you know, my natural inclination is to worry, um, but it, it just puts them into perspective and it gives me tools with which to address the things that I'm worried about or the things that, I'm trying to, you know, think through. So, yeah, it just makes me feel a lot, lot better. And uh, this week I've heard um, one person on social media say that to tell a perimenopausal woman that she should go and exercise is not the right strategy. Um, I certainly didn't agree with that. I think you're going to say you don't agree with that. But um, I, I think that if women haven't been exercising, as you found paddleboarding quite late, I found swimming quite open water swimming quite late, um, yeah, what would you say to that comment that we shouldn't be encouraging perimenopausal women to exercise? Um, I think if you take out the word exercise and just say move, you know, we move. You know, I find the word exercise quite um, distracting and, and quite it's not, you know, whereas I say move, you know, I move. So I move my body and I, I don't know of any research and you're the expert that says moving is bad for you. I mean, obviously, if you're injured, it's probably not a great thing. But, you know, moving is, is, is seen to be good. So if you take out exercise and say, well, move your body, and that could be a walk, that could be some stretches. I mean, obviously, you know, people have their views and nobody's saying that women, that exercise will solve all your problems with the perimenopause. Nobody's saying that it will. Um, but I think just moving your body can open up a lot of the stresses that we carry in our body. And, and you know, a gentle stretch or a gentle walk or, you know, a dog walk or a very, very gentle swim. It, it's not we're not saying go out and do 14 hit classes. You know, um, obviously there was a reason for that person to say it's the last thing. But, but uh, you know, just a, a nice walk with a friend and talk, you know, there are many advantages to that. So, yeah, nobody's saying you have to go out and do masses. But I know that particularly like when my dad was first diagnosed with cancer, so my dad's had three types of cancer and my mum died of lymphoma. And I know that when I was firstly a newly single mum and my dad was 
diagnosed with his first cancer and it was about the same time. I know that when my boys were, were away that weekend um, with their with their father, that I would just go for walks. And I know that that really helped me. Now, for me, I didn't see it as exercise, but I guess it is an exercise, just walking. So, um, yeah, I, I, I do think it can really help our mental and physical well-being. And, and you, you've said a good thing there. I, I have always used the word exercise, but I am coming around to the thinking. I absolutely agree. I think it may worry some people if they haven't been doing anything. So I think the big E word now, even for me, might be parked. And I'm, I'm definitely suggested <laughs> talk, talk about moving um, more yeah. than more than exercise. I don't want to put people yeah. off. Yeah, yeah, and and none of it is saying you've got to go and do this and do that. Just you know, gently moving your body. Just you know, little just little ways that can just. And there's so much research. I, I, I um, interviewed for my podcast and I read a, a brilliant book by, called Move by Caroline Williams. She would be amazing for your podcast. And she talks about the science of how moving your body and its effect on your brain. And, 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 and I think our bodies do want to move. Um, and I know when I was going through some really difficult times, when I get stressed, my natural inclination is to root myself to the ground. And I know when sort of my marriage was really in a difficult place, I would sort of sit huddled. I would be really cold. I'm always cold. I get cold fleshes. Um, I would sit huddled by the fire and my legs wouldn't want to move because of the anxiety. But actually the physical movingness helped unfurl some of that anxiety. So just moving your body in a little way can make a huge difference. I love that. That's 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 absolutely wonderful. Um, can we can we talk about your film? <clears throat> so I watched this recently. I I I told you straight away that I cried several times. It was so moving. Um, so so um, tell us about what made you to decide to pick that particular challenge, and tell us about the highs and the lows. Yeah. So the challenge was to paddle board from Liverpool to Gore, so as close to coast as you can. One hundred sixty-two miles, one hundred and one locks. Uh, I think a couple of hundred bridges along the Leeds Liverpool Canal and the Aaron Calder navigation. So the navigation is like um, a river that's been sort of tamed slightly. So it's much bigger than a normal canal, but it has locks and things. Um, and I actually had the idea back in 2016, almost days after I had taken my first paddleboarding lesson, like literally, oh, I, I'm going to paddleboard and now I'm going to go Leeds. Uh, and I wanted at that point to go Liverpool to Leeds. But I told a few people, um, at, you know, Christmas parties and things like that. And um, the response was, that sounds really logistically very difficult, quite boring and also too difficult for a woman of your age. And I was only 51 at the time, just coming up to 52. And so I put the dream away and sort of thought, no, maybe they're right. You know, I'm not the most confident person. You know, I have only stood still on the paddleboard for five minutes now. So maybe they're right. Um, and then um, in 2000, so fast forward 2019, I've been paddleboarding and just really loving it. I realized two things. Um, one, that my youngest son would be going off to university that October. Um, and so I'd be an empty nest single mum. And, you know, that's, you know, a whole new chapter. And also that in the intervening time, a number of girlfriends had died um, and only one of them had reached 50. And of this, you know, and it just really made me realize just how short and precious life is. And if you have a dream, you owe it to yourself to 
try and get to the start line, you know, at least try. And it didn't really matter that much if I didn't finish it. I just wanted to give myself the chance to do something different and to have a dream that would pull me to the future, you know, that would take me from being a mum of two to being a mum who had nobody that I needed to cook tea for on a regular basis. And so um, I set up the challenge and I wanted to pick up litter. And instead of just doing Leeds, uh, Liverpool to Leeds, I thought, right, I'll go all the way coast to coast. I'll be the first woman to do it. My good friend Jason was the first man. And I wanted to raise money for the Two Minute Beach Clean Foundation and the Way Project. So that's what I did. July 2019, I set off on my paddleboard. And huge, huge congratulations. That's so inspiring. And, and I, I do a vision board every year. And for the last few years, it's had challenge and adventure on. And as you say, our children leave home. If we've had children, if we yeah. haven't, it's obviously different. But if we've had children, and I know so many people who are coming up to that stage or coming up to retirement. And I said, what are you going to do? And they don't know. They haven't yeah. they've lost their hobbies. They've lost their interests. And I think... You know, with, with your paddle boarding and the other work that you've been doing, it's just so inspiring. And I, I hope that our conversation gives some people, especially some women, the mm -hmm. motivation to think, you know, we're just normal people. Everybody can do something. It doesn't have to be as adventurous as, as you've done. Um, yeah. But you know, just getting on that paddle board, getting in that water, whatever hobby, whatever hobby they want to do, just yeah. finding something that yeah. is, is for them. And we love yeah. our children, but it's for them. Yeah, 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 yeah. Or oh, like when my friend said to me, how much exercise do you do? Back in 2013, I said, well, I spend all my time at the rugby pitch. But, you know, I'm standing there waving and shouting and, and, and clapping and things. But I'm not, I'm not there for me. And, and really, I, I, the reason when mum died, I did the rowing challenge was because at that point, I thought there's nothing else of interest I have in my life that I could do. I'd lost I and quite happily poured all my life into my boys. I'm I'm happy to say that. But but at some point, you know, they go off on their own adventures and I needed to find something that would sustain me and something where I knew I could be happy beyond being a mum and a, a daughter and a sister and a friend. You know, I needed to find that and I'd lost that. I I'd lost that years before. Absolutely. And you, and you said about some of your friends had passed away. Mm. And you know, I, I've got that. We've, we, we all, we've all got that if we're around this age. And yeah. I've got friends who are very ill. And I think we shouldn't put off things that we want to do. Exactly what you said. We mm. need to, you know, take the moment, seize the moment now. And if there's things we wanted to do in our life, do, mm. do them, try and do them now. At least make a start to yeah. getting those hobbies off the ground. Yeah, just even if, so like you want to have a big challenge and it's, you know, I waited until my youngest son was going off to uni. I didn't, you know, I could have guessed I could have tried to do it, you know, when he was doing his A-levels and things, but um, I waited until that summer. Um, and, but the process of learning was all part of it. It wasn't just the day I arrived at, at, in Liverpool and set off. It was the, 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 you know, the months and years leading up to it were all part of that journey. Like you say, you, you know, you want to live a camper van life. You start with a little thing years beforehand and then you build up and it's all part of it. It's all part of that journey. It doesn't have to be the big stuff. It's just that little stuff. So now if I'm doing something, I think, well, it's all part of a, you know, I want to do a really big hike at some point. So I'll be 60 next year. I want to do a really big hike. So when I go out for a little walk, 
it's like training for that big hike. It's still part of that big adventure, even though, you know, it's just around the block with the dog. Well, I, I did the mighty hike uh, for Macmillan Cancer Research um, uh, last year, which uh, was supposed to be 26 miles, but my my Strava definitely said 28 miles. Um, but yes, that was the first time I'd ever done something like that. I'm doing I'm doing two walks this year, but it, it's just just wonderful to do. It really is. Mm. Um, tell us a little bit more about the two charities. You briefly mentioned them. Yes. Yeah, so the Wave Project is a surf therapy charity, and it takes children and young adults who have mental health issues or maybe carers um, who are carers, and it takes some surfing. And it's not about being the best surfer. It's about giving them the chance to know that, you know, there are people who have their back that there is a place that they can feel free, that they can talk about their mental well-being or just not even talk about it, just know that somebody knows and is trying to support them. Um, and it's the first um, programme using surfing that was um, authorised and sort of given whatever, you know, authorization by the NHS that sort of like, recognized that's where the first surf therapy th program in the world that was recognized by a national health service so it's really well respected they have places around the country i went to one after i did my challenge and it was just so lovely seeing this young lad you know in the waves and knowing that there were adults there that just had his back it was amazing and the other charity is the Two Minute Beach Clean Foundation, and I'm now an ambassador for them, which is really lovely. Um, and that just encourages us to take two minutes each day, wherever we are, on a beach, in a park, on a street. You know, when I come to London, it's been like, oh, where do I start? Um, you know, I, I kind of think, oh, um, I'm a bit of a country bumpkin. Um, and just take two minutes each day to pick up litter wherever we are, because a lot of the litter that ends up in our oceans, you know, starts on our inland waterways. So that's what I did. And I picked up litter along the way and showed people sort of what we found and just encourage in a really gentle, kind, embracing community way, um, you know, to be sort of earth activists, really, but in a, in a lovely, embracing way. Well, I thought about you um, the weekend. I was in the Peak District and we were swimming at a lake, a little bit of trespassing, I think. Um, but there was a <laughs> an old can of Coke there that I it was mm. it was, wasn't even really red anymore. It's sort of a dull pink. Um, mm. And I thought of Joe and I picked it up and I, <laughs> I and threw it in the next bin. So um, you you've got a, a what a brilliant quote that that you I've heard you use. And you've said, I can't change the world, but I can change the little bit around me. Yeah. Yeah. I realized that, you know, when I was in my twenties and, um, I was a bit like, I'm going to change the world. I'm going to, I went to a party once when I was at college in America and it had save the whales on it. You know, I mean, I was so kind of like that. And I just really thought that I could change, you know, with that sort of optimism of youth and, and slight arrogance of youth that you think you can change everything. And what I've realized is, um, A, I don't have that time. I have people I need to look after. Um, but also, you know, I can't, I can't change the world, but I can definitely change this bit around me. I can take, pick up this litter. I can be, you know, kind to this person. I can make that difference here. And by sharing that and all, you know, I'd rather have a hundred people doing their little bit imperfectly 
than try and pretend that I can do everything perfectly on my own. So, yeah, I, I, I use that, that I can't change the world, but I can change this little bit around me. And if we all try to do that, that would make a difference. Obviously, there are bigger issues and corporate corporations need to, you know, play their part. But for me, that's something I can control when it all seems uncontrollable. I, I really love it. It's great. Now, how can, how can people watch your film? So it's available to rent or buy on Vimeo. So if you put, I think if you put Vimeo Brave Enough, A Journey Home to Joy, or if they want to find me on Instagram at Joe Mosley, I can send them the link so they can rent it for two days or buy it and then watch it as many times as they want. So we didn't have any funding for the film. So we're just trying to recoup some of the huge costs that it takes uh, to make a film. I hadn't realized how much it would be. <laughs> And I really highly recommend it. It's a beautiful film and I'm following it. It's inspiring and it really does make you feel like we want to make a little change in the world from watching it. So I highly, highly recommend it. Um, let's, move, let's move on to your book, your beautiful book. It's, it's just, um, so, so beautifully made. <laughs> um, and, so your your paddleboard has has taken you many places. Um, please tell us more about about paddleboarding. Yeah, so I in in lockdown, um, you know, I I just felt like a book need. You know, you have that idea that a book need is going to get written, and I wanted it to be me that wrote the book. I wanted to write the very first book devoted just to paddleboarding. Obviously, there are other books uh, and guides that. Are, um, paddleboarding, kayaking and canoeing, but I wanted to be the one that was devoted just to paddleboarding. So I pitched the book and then we were in lockdown. And then in May 2021, after I'd had a, a COVID injection, I thought, right, I can start traveling. And so I just basically went with my paddleboard around the country, met amazing people, went to lots over, over 30 places and paddleboarded in some extraordinary places in the coast, on the coast, inland, Rivers, lakes, locks, canals, estuaries, salt marshes, docks, harbours, um, and just met amazing paddleboarders and also went to beautiful places and write about that experience and then give all the logistical details of where to go and how to get in and how much it costs and your licences and safety. Um, so, yeah, it is a really um, – it's interesting because it was about this time last year I was doing the edits and then when the publishers actually sent me the first – you know, what it would look like, the galley sort of thing. Even I, and I'd lived with this book for a year, even I went, wow, that looks beautiful. You know, even I felt like that. So I was just very grateful that that, how they put it together so beautifully, Vertebrate Publishing, how they put it together so beautifully. And, and yeah, it's had an amazing response. It's gone to reprint and, yeah, really just very grateful for that opportunity. I will certainly be testing out some of the places. I've, I've been a bit safe and often go, to the same place and i haven't been as bold as you i haven't paddleboarded on the sea yet uh but I, I i have to do it i have to do it this this might be an impossible question but do you have a favorite place to paddleboard um i i guess i do because i was just asked for another uh, for another book a friend of mine liv bolton um she just asked me for her book where my favorite place would be and i don't think it would be wrong to say this um because it's where i grew up at where i would go for my um family holidays as a child and it's a place called Runzik Bay um near Whitby um so I don't think I'm um being mean to the other beautiful places because it's got such a personal sentimental place you know it's such 
you know, I played in, I put my Instagram this week, you know, I played in these waves when I was a little girl and I'm still on those waves now at 58. And that is just such a huge privilege to, to know an area really well. Um, I mean, every, every time you go on the sea, it's different. And every time, you know, you go with great respect and you check the tides and, and all that stuff, you know, I'd never take it for granted, but I know it quite well. I know I can, like, like my dad said, the, the beach has shifted and we'd know, we'd noticed this, the beach had changed after some tides and the, there was more rocks here and that, you know, and that you wouldn't, you know, there's a bit in the book where I say, look, you might be tempted to launch there, but don't because the beach is very steep. And, and, you know, so I kind of know this beach and this, this bay really well. Um, and so that would be my favorite. Yes. Cause it's got such a sentimental attraction to me. You know, it, there's a lot of very happy memories there. That's that's really beautiful, and and you you've touched on this just now. Safety is really paramount, and with yeah. paddle boarding, you know, it can be dangerous. So you've really given important safety tips in your book. You've spoken yeah. to some excellent experts who who have advised you about more safety tips, um, yeah. such as Mike Tipton, who I'm pleasure of doing some work with. He's one of my heroes. <laughs> um, we're, doing, we're, doing, yeah, we're doing some work on reproductive health and um, cold water swimming. Um, he's a, such a knowledgeable person. So, um, he's but, amazing. Wow. How interesting. Wow. He is, he is. There'll be more about this this year, but uh, it's a pleasure to have a meeting with Mike every couple of weeks. Um, but you know, safety is important. And, and I think some people, especially we're going to talk about the menopause now, but I think, um, some women might be scared and might think, oh, they're, they're not strong enough um, to do paddle boarding mm -hmm. and it's too difficult. Uh, but I, I, I mean, one thing as we age is that our, our balance goes. And I'm sure yeah. we all know, anyone with elderly parents know the big worry is that they fall. And something yeah, like yeah, paddle boarding, yeah. it's such good exercise for mm -hmm. the, the menopausal woman. Um, yeah, just, just wonder if you want to say a bit more about that. It really is. It was interesting because I was asked to go skiing recently on a, on a you know, snow center. Um, and they said, how many times have you skied before? And I said, well, once in 1981, <laughs> when, when I was 15, and the other time was 2008. So I'm not a big skier. And I was really nervous before I went, in fact. And I thought, what if I fall? What if I injure myself? You know, I can't afford not to be able to go to work sort of thing. And and I was really pleasant. And I don't mean to brag, but I was pleasantly surprised by my balance. You know, I was better than sort of when I'd done some sort of stuff back in 2008. And and the chap said, you, you've only skied twice. And I said, I paddleboard. And he said, well, it could be that, you know, I think the paddleboarding strengthens your core. It gives you a real connection with your body and it helps your balance. And I'm really aware of balance. You know, my dad's 89 and he'll often say to me, stop leaving things on the floor. If I trip, I'm not getting up, you know. And, um, and, and so I'm really aware of it and I'm really aware, um, you know, cause I, in my day job, I work with women in their 60s, 70s and 80s and balance is a, it's a conversation, you know, falls are a conversation that we have just sort of in the office. And, and I think paddleboarding really helps with your core and with your balance. And, um, and it's a lovely, you know, all over workout, so to speak, although the workout's a bit like the E word, you know, it's kind of a bit off putting, but it's, it gives you that kind of feeling that you've really used all your body. Um, 
but you don't know that you're exercising because you're just having a really lovely time. And it's a bit like walking and hiking for me. You don't know because you're just having a lovely time. And then you come back and you think, you know, actually, I feel a bit tired. I've, I've you know, used my body quite fully today. Um, so it's great for that core and great for balance. And I really, you know, it's one of the things, the reasons I want to keep doing it is just to have that sense of confidence in my body um, that it brings. And strength. It brings a lot of, I've noticed the strength. I feel really stronger each time I do it. And yeah. for, me, for me as well, the, the tranquility. Um, yeah. something in my life, I've always been running around like a crazy woman. And in my first podcast, I said, I, I wish I'd spent more time being still and being yeah. quiet. And I think for, for me, paddleboarding is an absolute at the top of my list about what makes me feel mentally just incredibly still and incredibly yeah. calm it, it, it's yeah. it's so beautiful to be out yeah. of the water, you know, yeah, it, is. yeah so, it does me too it really it calms me and i'm such a worrier and my head is buzzing i always have fourteen thousand tabs open and everything this you know about to go wrong in my life you know and it's not going to go wrong but in my head it's about to go wrong and um and i you know i need to save everything and um and it does, it really calms, calms you. And I think there's a, a lovely companionship. You know, I love paddling with maybe two or three other people and we don't always say anything, but we might just turn around and, you know, thinking about a paddle I did in Cornwall with a lovely young woman called, called Steph. And, and we were paddling into the sun, into the sun as it was setting in um, St. Hostel Bay. And, you know, we just would turn around and just say to each other, are you all right? Yeah, I'm all right. And we didn't need to chat, but you had that real connection that we experienced a really beautiful moment in nature in a, in a really calm way. Um, and yeah, just lovely, lovely. But it is great for, you know, it's really good for your core and your strength. And, and even just, you know, picking up your board and carrying it here and there, it's all, um, you know, good for your muscles and your bones. So, mm. You will feel wonderful when, when they've tried it. They will feel wonderful if they haven't tried it already. Now, let, let's talk a little bit about the menopause. So do you think your adventures have helped you through this stage of your life? Yeah, definitely, definitely. I think definitely the, the movingness of them have. Um, as we said, moving does, you know, there's so much research that says, moving is good for the menopause um and as i said i don't get hot flushes i get cold flushes um but moving is 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 really good and and it helps me sleep and my foundation for life is good sleep <laughs> you know if i get a good night's sleep the world is great if i get a bad night's sleep i'm a little bit sort of sad and grumpy so i think the adventures do so i think there's the physicalness of them i think there's also the hope you know i think you need that hope sometimes when I felt so broken. So with mum dying and um, the menopause, it really, I always say it broke me when I was already down. You know, it knocked me when I was, it kicked me in, in the shins when I was already down with, with sort of grief and, and juggling life. And, um, and I think adventures give you hope. They give you something to work towards and they give you something to be proud of. And so often in life, you know, the menopause can knock your confidence. It can make you anxious. And you have something that you're proud of and you say, you know, well, I did that and I'm proud of myself. And, you know, we weren't, I certainly, my 
don't think our generation was necessarily taught to be proud of ourselves. It was almost like, oh, don't brag. You know, the boys can be can talk about how they can conquer the world. But, you know, the girls need to just sort of, you know, be very humble, very modest. And I think you can grow up being so modest, you forget that actually you've achieved a lot and a, a little adventure can make you go, oh, I did that. Oh, I'm quite proud of myself. What else can I do? And that's why I say at the end of the film, you know, I was forced to be brave by circumstance. I, I had to go out and be a single mum and look after my boys. I had to do all these things. So I was forced to be brave, but I'd never put my head above the parapet and said, I'm going to try and do something and I don't know how it's going to turn out. So this was an opportunity to be brave and courageous and, and hopeful and optimistic on my terms rather than having life make me do it. So it was a bit scary, but adventures, I think, I think there's a mental and emotional, social and physical well-being to adventures in the menopause. Um, and they don't have to be huge. They can just be little ones, you know, going for a swim somewhere that you've not gone for a swim before. And and I, I take your point about feeling that you're sort of bragging about doing your adventures. But I think there is a movement now for women to motivate each other and let them know yeah. that, um, you know, by, by talking about their challenge or what they've been doing it will motivate other women and give them a bit of encouragement so I, I put a lot about any movement I won't say the the e-word but movement <laughs> that I've been doing and then I sometimes think are, are, are people just thinking oh she's just bragging again that she's had time to go <laughs> to a aerobics class or something but then I see a woman that says oh you've given me um the urge now to go and go for a walk or go and do body prom or whatever and, and that's it I've ticked the box if I've if one person has learned for that exactly. yeah so I think exactly. for exactly. yeah if one person sees what I do and they don't go and do what I do they don't need to paddle across the country they don't need to paddleboard they don't need to swim in the sea when it's freezing cold in February but if it says to them you know what, your well-being is valuable make time to go for a walk to the shops rather than you know well, no, walk to the shop sounds like she's going on an errand. But go for a walk for your well-being. You know, it doesn't have to be all jobs. Go for a walk for what your well-being. That makes such difference. And I, like you, I get a little DM and somebody just says, oh, you made me just feel like I was worth spending 20 minutes not doing work in the house or not doing work work or not looking after someone else. And I just went for a walk and I listened to a podcast or I listened to music or I listened to the birds and I did it for me. And and if that makes somebody else feel better, then that's what it's about, you know. Um, so, yeah, definitely I think we should encourage each other. I think it's really – I find it really motivating when I see people doing something that they're loving. It, it makes me go, oh, I want to try that, you know. So, yeah. And that definitely applies to most of my guests for this year are going to be people who have motivated, motivated me, such as you, um, mm. and I know will motivate other people. Yeah, yeah. And I'm not like 100% motivated all the time. You know, sometimes I'll look at my Fitbit and I'll go, oh, my gosh, I haven't done enough steps. So, I'm, you know, somebody says, I'm going to, you know, it'll just motivate me. I think it's a, a two-way thing. Somebody will, I'll motivate someone else and then she'll motivate me back. You know, it's, it's a, it's a two-way thing. It's not all just telling people what you do. I look and think, oh, yeah, I'm going to do that. Yeah, I'm, I'm worth spending that 20 minutes telling the world, it's just going to have to stop asking me for something because I'm going to do something for myself right now. Yes, we need to do things for ourselves for sure. Um, have mm. you heard people say, why didn't anyone tell me this? Yeah, I have. I think, I think 
in two occasions. One was um, when I had my miscarriages. I think I just said that. I think I said it. Why did nobody tell me that, you know, they're much more common than I thought? Why did nobody tell me how hard they are to get over when and how that grief sits with you? Um, and I think in the menopause, I had no idea what was going on. <laughs> you know, literally didn't know. I, I was waiting for hot flushes and I don't get hot flushes. So I just thought I had flu, like permanent flu, headaches and cold flushes. I literally would go to bed. I would say to my boys, oh, I think I'm getting flu. Oh, my God, if I get flu, then I can't go to work for one day and then I'll lose my job. Totally, completely irrational because that's not going to happen. But I would go to bed and I'd say, I've got a headache and I'm really cold and shivery. I think I'm getting flu. I'll go to bed early and, you know, hopefully I'll be OK. And then the next morning I'd be fine and I'd be like, it was like an eight-hour flu. How did that happen? And now what I realized that was for two years I was getting cold flushes and headaches. And it wasn't flu, it was just part of the perimenopause. So I wish, I mean, you know, how you know numpty can you be? But I, I wish that I'd understood what the peri you know, eight, ten years ago there wasn't the discussion that there is today. There's so much information. So miscarriages, menopause, but also I wish somebody had said that the postmenopause years could be fun. You know, that these that things would settle down because I didn't know that they would settle down. I thought I was going to have itchy skin for the rest of my life and my twitchy eye. Um, I mean, I still get tinnitus when I get anxious. Um, but you know how your bot for me, my body would ache, you know, massively ache all my joints. And I thought, how am I going to live like this for the rest of my life? I just you know, this is just going to be awful. But that eases even, you know. The the cold, um, the cold sweats I don't get really now. Um, you know, the night sweats, the heart palpitations, a lot of them have really just eased through postmenopause. And I just wish somebody would tell me, it's so great that we talk about the menopause. It's so great. And I wish I'd had that 10 years ago. But I also think we have to open the conversation to the positive too, that there are women who are postmenopausal living good lives. And I work with many of them in my day job and I want to be like them. You know, I want to be rushing around when I'm 80 doing stuff. Um, and yeah, so three times, miscarriage, menopause and postmenopause. That, that, that's fabulous. That, that that's very kind of preachy. <laughs> no, no, I think um, in, in, my, in my work, I, I'm really working on reproductive health education. And I think it's really important. I, whenever I go into schools, I always talk about miscarriage because, as you say, we only find out how common a miscarriage is when we've had one. And, yeah. and that, that is the wrong time. Everyone should know in advance. Everyone going through the perimenopause should know what the symptoms possible. We're all individual, yeah. possible things yeah. they might get. And then absolutely, they're, they're, you, you know, we, us two are not alone. There's a growing number of postmenopausal women now who are shouting from the rooftops that we feel fantastic and yeah. i think it's important because it's not fair to the younger women to just tell them about the doom and gloom of the transition and that yeah. actually you hopefully will have the best time of your life postmenopause yeah. when your menstrual cycle stops and the hormones rage around your body stop and yes, don't worry about those aches and pains. They should they should go down. But I think yeah. it's 
I think it's so, so important. There's light at the end of the tunnel. And I always say I feel better now than when I was 18. I had so many worries and anxieties at 18. Now, now, now we, we don't care anymore, do we, Joe? We don't. No, exactly. And you have a real sense of knowing yourself. And, and don't get me wrong, I think for many women, the, you know, the statistics bear out. And I felt broken by the menopause. And for many women, it's a really difficult time. But we have to also balance that. I don't think it's either or. I don't think it has to be either you sail through or it breaks you. I think it can break you. And it can get better. I think we have to have an encompassing conversation that's generous to everybody who's experiencing and their experience of it. I am not in any way dismissing how unbelievably hard it is and how broken I felt. You know, I wouldn't have been crying in supermarkets if it was a breeze. Um, but there is also positives that can come out of it. And you lose that sense of people pleasing you lose that sense of feeling that you're always at the bottom of the list because it forces you to look after yourself and it forces you to put yourself on the priority list. Um, and you might ruffle a few feathers when that happens. But, um, you know, there's a positive. And, and as I said, I work with women in their 60s, 70s and 80s, and they're vibrant and interesting and contributing so much to society. If you think Women in their 50s, you know, we often lament that women in their 50s are invisible or I hear, you know, after 40, you become invisible after 50. You know, society is being churned along by women in their 60s, 70s and 80s, but nobody's giving them any credence, you know, and grandparents looking after children and, and, you know, volunteering in the community and still working and doing cool things. Um, yeah, we need to shed some light on what they're doing and and you know, acknowledge that. It's really ages to say that it ends at menopause. It really doesn't. Absolutely. And the word, no, the word I'm always using is freedom. I feel much freer. Many, many women have told me they feel free at this age, you know, their 50s and 60s. Now, um, so I wanted to, I wanted to ask you, you, you are incredibly motivating and that's, why I wanted you to be my guest, because I know that so many people will be motivated, motivated by your words. Do you, have you thought about what motivates you? Um, what motivates me? I just want to, <laughs> I want to have a good night's sleep and I want to feel good. And I know that I have moments of of feeling like a warrior on my paddleboard or jumping in the waves or like last year I was invited to go to Madeira and I hadn't checked the itinerary. I did not realize that the walks I would be going on in the Levadas were at such high altitude and I'm scared of heights. And I had to change that story about myself because I had to go on these walks along the cliff and I could only get to the other side by walking at altitude and looking down and being really scared, but carrying on walking anyway. And so I think it's that mo it's these moments I've experienced where I do feel brave or I do feel strong or I do feel courageous. And I set those to the moments in my life when I didn't dare walk from the lounge to the kitchen because I was so rooted in anxiety or sadness. And I think I, I want to embrace the woman I was and, and, how anxious about life and how worried about life she was and how overwhelmed by life she was. But I want to honor her by doing those cool things where I can feel, I can feel warrior-like and, and just keep 
not every day. I don't expect my life to feel like I'm a warrior every day. But to know that I can feel that and just to keep recreating moments where I feel like that, almost to honor that really, really sad woman I was for a while. So, yeah, that that's what motivates me. And I'm not I'm, I'm so not interested in what other people think of what I do. It's a really internally driven. Yeah, they can think they can think all they like. It's whatever, whatever, mate, really. <laughs> I think that's the beauty of aging. You just don't care what anyone thinks anymore. <laughs> no, 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 I can't wait till I'm 70 and 80. And then you're just like, what? you know, there's such a real freedom. You know, so some of the women are just like, yeah, whatever. <laughs> and what makes you happy and where is your happy place? I would say my happy place is in the sea. Uh, I love water. I love canals. I love rivers. But I love, obviously, I wouldn't swim in the canal. Um I love being in the sea, on the sea, under the sea. Um, I think, I think just those moments of just feeling just joyful and, and whole. And, you know, I often hear things particularly on Instagram. You want to be your best version of yourself. And I think what I want and what I'm striving for is to be the whole version of me, to recognize the bits of me that, you know, are worrying and, you know, aren't you know super impressive but to to recognize the whole of me that and and to accept the whole of me and not to sort of underestimate myself um so the sea and, and the sea gives me that whether it's jumping in the waves when it's really rough or just when it's very calm just sort of sinking into the into the sea or to paddleboard on it that I think is is my you know, outside of being a mum and a daughter and a sister and a friend, if you're asking what motivate, you know, where I am happy as Joe, not in relation to other people, just me being in or around the sea or reading about the sea or, um, yeah, that that would be my happy place, I think, number one. Thank you. And finally, the last question. You have covered this, this a little bit, but you might say something a bit different. What advice would you give your younger self? Um, so I would say to her, find that the moving that you enjoy and just keep at it and don't get distracted by words like fitness and exercise and sport and competition and weight loss and all that stuff. Just find the thing that you do now because I I'm throwing myself in the sea. And I just bought a skipping rope. And I did all those things when I was a little girl. And I didn't call them exercise. I just called them having fun. So I would say, hold on to those things and hold on to them. Even when life gets really, 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 really busy, make sure that you have those things in your life. Whatever's going on in your life, you know, carve out 20, 30 minutes a day for you. Um, and I would also say, um, look after your teeth and your bones because <laughs> I didn't look after my teeth and I'm reaping the rewards. Um, you know, if somebody offers you a cola drink or brands <laughs> or a really sugary soda drink or, you know, um, my son is in Mexico and he said that he, he found this powder, orange powder. He said, is this what you used to eat, drink when you were little? And I was like, yes, it was just like pure orange sugar. And I would just scoop it into my mouth. I would say, don't go anywhere near them. I'm sure they're t very tasty, but look after your teeth. Um, don't want to get sued by anybody, but look after your teeth and look after your bones. But just keep having that joy of moving and 
find it and it'll change over the time. You know, you might be into this for a while and into that for a while. I'm, I'm on couch to 5K for the third time. But just make sure every day you do something that makes your body feel good, um, particularly when it feels really sad, like after the miscarriage, like in the menopause. Your, your body will thank you um, and your mind will thank you and your heart will thank you. You know, your soul will thank you. And I want to thank you, Joe, for a very motivating, I knew it would be, I'm sure absolutely everyone's going to love this. It was absolutely fantastic to have you on as my thank guest today. Thank you. Thank you.